Good morning, Northgate. It's good to be back. I've been, uh, last three weekends, I've been over in San Francisco at Bethel Church there, and um, as we are working through um, this potential merger of our two churches, God seems to have been opening these doors for us and, and bringing the two churches together as one. So we're really, really excited about it, and that's where I've been the last three weekends, but it's good to be back home. And uh, we are in this series, uh, Believe. Thank you. All three of you. Um, no. <laughs> We're in this series called Believe, and uh, the third part of it, which we are looking at the character that God is developing in us, that our, that our faith and our belief is not just a set of creeds or, or a bunch of works and things that we have to do. It's really about being transformed in our character and uh, being conformed to God's image, and that's what the fruit of the Spirit is all about, which is the topic of this last section. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And today we're talking about faithfulness. And, um, and I, I, as I'm thinking about faithfulness, I just, I just thought of this um, renowned theologian, uh, Dr. Seuss. So I would like to read for you this morning from that theologian, that great theologian, Dr. Seuss. Side Maisie, a lazy bird hatching an egg. I'm tired and I'm bored. I've got kinks in my leg from sitting, just sitting here day after day. It's work. How I hate it. I'd much rather play. I'd take a vacation, fly off for a rest. If I could find someone to stay on my nest, if I could find someone, I'd fly away free. Then Horton, the elephant, passed by her tree. Hello, called the lazy bird, smiling her best. You've nothing to do and I do need a rest. Would you like to sit on the egg in my nest? The elephant laughed, why of all silly things? I haven't feathers, I haven't wings. Me on your egg, why that doesn't make sense. Your egg is so small, ma'am, and I'm so immense. I can't, said the elephant. Please, begged the bird. It won't be long, sir, I'll give you my word. I'll be right back, why I'll never be missed. Very well, said the elephant, since you insist. You want a vacation, go fly off and take it. I'll sit on your egg and I'll try not to break it. I'll stay and be faithful, I mean what I say. Toodaloo, sang out Maisie and fluttered away. Hmm, the first thing to do, murmured Horton, let's see. First thing to do is to prop up this tree and make it much stronger. It has to be done. Before I get on it, I must weigh a ton. Then carefully, tenderly, gently he crept up to the trunk to the nest where the little egg slept. And Horton the elephant smiled, now that's that. And he sat, and he sat, and he sat, and he sat. He sat all that day and he kept the egg warm. He sat all that night through a terrible storm. It poured and it lightning, it thundered, it rumbled. This isn't much fun, the poor elephant grumbled. But Maisie, by this time, was in far, way beyond, far beyond reach, enjoying the sunshine way off in Palm Beach. And having such fun, such a wonderful rest, she decided she'd never come back to her nest. So Horton kept sitting there day after day. Soon it was autumn, the leaves blew away. And then came the winter, the snow and the sleet, the icicles hung from his trunk and his feet. But Horton kept sitting and said with a sneeze, I'll stay on this egg and I won't let it freeze. I meant what I said and I said what I meant. An elephant's faithful, 100%. So poor Horton sat there while the whole winter through and then came the springtime with troubles anew. His friends gathered around, they shouted with glee, look, Horton, the elephant's up in a tree. They taunted, they teased him, then yelled, how absurd, old Horton, the elephant thinks he's a bird. And then they laughed and they laughed and they all ran away and Horton was lonely. He wanted to play, but he sat on that egg and continued to say, I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. An elephant's faithful 100%. No matter what happens, this egg must be tended, but poor Horton's troubles were far from far ended. For while Horton sat there so faithful and kind, 
hunt, three hunters came sneaking up softly behind. He heard the men's footsteps. He turned with a start. Three rifles were aiming straight, straight at his heart. Did he run? He did not. Horton stayed on that nest. He held his head high and he threw out his chest and he looked at the hunters as much as to say, shoot if you must, but I won't run away. I meant what I said and I said what I meant. An elephant's faithful 100%. But the men didn't shoot, much to Horton's surprise. They dropped their three guns and they stared with wide eyes. Look, they all shouted, can such a thing be? An elephant sitting on top of a tree. Let's take him alive. Why, he's terribly funny. We'll sell him back home to a circus for money. And the first thing he knew, they had built a big wagon with ropes in the front for the pullers to drag on. We're off, the men shouted, and off they all went with Horton unhappy 100%. Then out of the wagon and onto a ship over the ocean, and oh, what a trip. Rolling and tossing and splashed with the spray, and Horton said day after day after day, I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. But oh, I am seasick, 100%. (laughs) After bobbing around for two weeks like a cork, they landed at last in the town of New York. All ashore, the men shouted, and down with the lurch went Horton the elephant, still on his perch. Tied to a board, he could just scarcely hold him. Bump, Horton landed. And then the men sold him. Sold to a circus, then week after week, they showed him to people with 10 cents a peak. They took him to Boston, to Kalamazoo, Chicago, Weehawken, and Washington, too. And everywhere, thousands of folks flocked to see and laughed at the elephant up in a tree. Poor Horton grew sadder the farther he went. But he said as he sat in that hot, noisy tent, I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. An elephant's faithful 100%. Then one day, the circus show happened to reach a town way down south, not too far from Palm Beach. And dawdling a long way up in the sky, who of all people by chance should fly by but that old good-for-nothing bird, runaway Maisie, still on vacation and still just as lazy. She swooped from the clouds through an open tent door. Good gracious, gasped Maisie. It's, I've seen you before. Poor Horton looked up with his face white as chalk. He started to speak, but before he could talk, there rang out the noisiest ear-splitting squeaks from an egg that had been sitting on 51 weeks. A thumping, a bumping, a wild live scratching. My egg, shouted Horton. Why egg? Why, it's hatching. But it's mine, screamed the bird when she heard the egg crack. The work was all done. Now she wanted it back. It's my egg, she sputtered. You stole it from me. Get off my nest. Get out of my tree. Poor Horton backed down with a sad, heavy heart. Just at that instant, the egg burst apart. And out of the pieces of red and white shell from that egg that they sat on so long and so well, Horton the elephant saw something whiz. It had ears and a tail and a trunk just like his. And people came shouting, what's all this about? They looked and they stared with their eyes popping out. They cheered and they cheered and they cheered more and more. They'd never seen anything like it before. My goodness, my gracious, they shouted my word. It's something brand new. It's an elephant bird. And it should be, it should be, it should be like that because Horton was faithful. He sat and he sat. He meant what he said and he said what he meant. And they sent him home happy 100%. Oh. What is faithfulness? Is it just hanging in there? Is it just loyalty? What, what, when we talk about faithfulness, particularly in the context of the fruit of the Spirit, the character that God wants to, to build in us, what does it mean to be faithful? What does it mean to become faithful? Well, 
Scripture tells us it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's the work of God in our lives. But, but there are some things that we can do that cultivate the right kind of soil for that to grow. Jesus told another story about faithfulness. His is a little bit better, and it doesn't rhyme. But it's found in Matthew chapter 25. Let me read to you. And we often read this story and uh, teach this story in terms of giving and, and faithfulness and money, but it's about more than just money. It's really about faithfulness. Matthew 25, beginning in verse 14, Jesus said, It'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. And the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. The man who had received one bag went out, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid. I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I've not sown, gathered where I've not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. It's really a story about faithfulness. And the difference between the first two servants and the third was their understanding of faithfulness. And it really came down to their understanding of their master. And that's really at the heart of what we're talking about when we're talking about faithfulness in Christ, that fruit of the Spirit. And the things that we can do from this story, I think, gives us an idea of how you and I can cultivate that faithfulness in our own lives. And it starts with a very, very simple thing, and it's just this, be clear in your commitments. So you don't have to be faithful. You don't make a commitment. Nobody's going to hold you to anything. And so if you don't make a commitment, you don't have to be faithful. So the, really the first step in faithfulness comes with just being clear in our commitments. And our commitments and our faithfulness come from the character of God himself. He is a faithful God. You find this all throughout the scriptures. Psalm 145 says, The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. Verse 17, he repeats the idea. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. That we serve a faithful God, which means he doesn't change. He's not moody. He, 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 he is consistent and faithful all of the time, and that God has made his faithfulness clear to us in the commitment that he made. You find throughout, as you read the, the biblical story, the biblical narrative all the way through, it is this, this, this sense that God is a faithful God who binds himself to us in something called covenants. 
And covenant is different than a contract. See, we can come to an agreement and a contract and I'll do a certain amount of work for you and you agree that you will pay me that much money. But when we come to an agreement, we sign a contract, we both commit ourselves to something, but the difference is we do it to protect ourselves. Because if you don't pay me for the work I did for you, I can sue you. Or if you pay me and I don't do the work, you can sue me. We draw up a contract, we make a commitment to each other, but it's all about self-protection. Covenant is not that way at all. Covenant is the way that God always deals with us, which in essence says, it doesn't matter whether you live up to your end of the bargain or not. I'm binding myself to you. And you find that all throughout the scripture. God makes covenants to Noah, to Abraham, to Moses, to the nation of Israel, and then ultimately through Jesus Christ to every one of us. On the cross, God was making a covenant with us. And all throughout scripture, he says things like, I will never leave you and never forsake you. I've loved you with an everlasting love. In fact, it says on Deuteronomy 7, 9, the Lord, the God is God and he is faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to all generations. He will never change his mind. He has committed himself to us, whether we live up to our end of the bargain or not. But he asks that we would now join ourselves with him and make clear our commitment to him. And that becomes very, very important because, like I said, if you don't make a commitment, it's easy to just skate. If you never bind yourself and make your word and your promise, if you're never like Horton, you mean what you say and you see what, say what you mean, <laughs> then there's no need, there, there's no faithfulness attached to it. And so it becomes important for every one of us to start in our relationship with God with making that commitment clear. And the, one of the ways that we do that, the way that Christ gave us to do that is through baptism. In fact, baptism is really that first step of clarifying the commitment. When you came in, every one of you should have received one of these. This is so important. Now, I, people sometimes say, but I've, you know, I've been a Christ follower for a long, long time. I've never got baptized. You know, it doesn't matter. I don't, why do I need to do that? Because it's clarifying your commitment. But, but you say, well, but... Aren't we saved by grace? Isn't it God's grace to us? I mean, isn't that just an act of, isn't that a work? No, no, no. It's clarifying your commitment. Some of you maybe were baptized, sprinkled as an infant. That was your parents' faith for you. Some of you were dedicated as a child. Your parents prayed a prayer of dedication over you. A church prayed a prayer of dedication over you. But you never clarified that commitment for yourself. See, this is a first step. And I would encourage you, if you have never been baptized, clarify your commitment. When you get baptized, you're not saying, I'm perfect, I've arrived, I've gotten there, I got it all together now. That's not it. All you're saying is, I have chosen a direction for my life. And sometimes people say, well, I, you know, getting up on stage in front of people, I just, I don't want to say anything. You don't have to say anything. You get to record your, your story ahead of time on video, and we'll show it for you. We, we, what we want to do is help people understand this is an important step in clarifying your commitment to Christ. So I would say for some of us here, you've never done that. This is your next step. Just clarify your commitment. See, that's what God did for us. He didn't have to bind himself to us in a covenant. He chose to do that for our benefit so that we would know where we stand with him at all times. We... Uh, not too long ago, 
got an invitation to a party, an evite. And uh, you know, you used to get invitations in the mail. Now you get an evite. And something else has changed with evites. There's a chance to respond, and it's got yes, no, or maybe. I have never seen maybe in an RSVP card. Because what good does that do? This person's planning a party. They want to know, am I going to have enough food? I need to know, are you coming or are you not? You know, let me know, yes or no. Maybe. Well, because I'm keeping my options open. Something better might come up for that day, you know? I might get a better offer, you know? No, no, no. The whole idea of RSVP is let me know so I can plan accordingly. We tend to hold back on making commitments because we don't want to bind ourselves to anything. But see, this whole thing about faithfulness is binding yourself to something. When you read this story, as Jesus told it, the first two took up the challenge. They engaged in the commitment. They made a yes by their actions. They took on the assignment. The third one did not. See, it says, it will be like a man going on a journey who called the servants and entrusted his wealth to them. He gave them an assignment, each according to his ability. What the master saw in every one of them was potential. And he was giving them each an opportunity. And maybe the five, five bags of gold guy was a little more trustworthy, he thought, than the one bag, and it turned out he was right. <laughs> but the problem with the last guy is he never took up the challenge. He thought faithfulness was just holding on to what was given to me. And it's not, because the second part of faithfulness is not just being clear in your, in your commitments, it's also giving yourself then fully to the task. Make the clear commitment and then give yourself fully to it. Whatever commitments you make in your life, whatever commitments you make before God, whatever commitments you make before your friends, your family, whatever commitments that you make, go all in. See, that's how he tells the story. It says the man who would receive the five bags of gold went at once. No hesitation, went at once and put his money to work, gained five bags more. So also the one with the two bags gained two more. They went at once, they went all in. Because see, the power behind the commitment, the power of faithfulness is that you go all in. A number of years ago, back in the 90s, um, a, a movement started um, called Promise Keepers. And it was really meant to address the problem that, that, that men are notoriously not following through on their promises to their wives or their families. And so it was gonna be, are we gonna be men of our word? And we're gonna be promise, not just promise makers, but promise keepers. And they would have these rallies all around. They had their national rally. Um, I remember I got, somebody invited me to go along. They helped pay my way. Went to their national rally for promise keepers. They did it Valentine's Day weekend. Somebody was not all in in the planning of that. Let's get all these men to hold their promises together and let's do it and leave their wives behind. So they gave everybody, they realized it afterwards. So when we got there during the conference, they gave everybody a card so you could at least send a Valentine's card to your wife since you're not there. Okay, that's not going all in. <laughs> See, you go all in because that's what faithfulness is. Faithfulness is not just hanging in there or just gritting your teeth and sticking it out. It's proactive. It takes initiative, and that's the whole idea here. He saw potential in all three of these guys, but only two of them saw the potential in themselves and went all in. The third just thought faithfulness was just lasting. 
And it's so much more than that. See, at the heart of faithfulness is this word faith. We become faithful when God begins to reproduce his faithfulness in us. And it's our faith in a faithful God that makes us faithful. It's what allows us and strengthens us and empowers us to be faithful people. Faithful in our relationships, faithful in my marriage, faithful to my family, faithful to my friends. That, that I, 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 I am faithful to them because I am in a relationship with a faithful God who has shown his faithfulness to me over and over again no matter how many times I have failed. He never fails me. And that same faithfulness he wants to reproduce in me so that I will be faithful in my family, in my relationships, in my friendships. It's why, it's why, it's why Jesus can say, love your enemies. And even when if I don't want to love my enemies, I can still do it believing and trusting that this faithful God will somehow use my willingness to love my enemies for his kingdom's sake. See, that's what faithfulness is. That I believe that God is faithful and I have faith in his ways and I can endure any circumstances or any difficulties or or take on any challenges because I believe and trust that the faithful God works good in all circumstances. So I'm in the middle of a circumstance that's just miserable right now and I want to bail and I want to give up. But I believe, I believe, I believe that there is a faithful God in whom I have put my faith who makes good out of everything. See, that's where our faithfulness comes from. It's our faith in a faithful God. In our relationships, in our circumstances, in our resources, um, my, my, my abilities, my talents, my, my, my finances, all of these things, I believe that God is at work in this world and I am a part of his work now. And so I use my talents faithfully because he is going to use those things. When we were first planting Northgate and, and when we first moved here to Benicia, um, my son wanted to play soccer. But the only way he would play soccer is if I would coach him. So I went and took the coaching clinic and I became a coach with Benicia Youth Soccer. And I did it not to, for any other reason except because my son wanted me to coach him. But it was that commitment to coach soccer, it was in that commitment that we started to meet other families just like us. And many of them, the last time they had set foot in a church was on their wedding day, the parents. And they hadn't been to church in 10, 15 years maybe? And God used the faithfulness of coaching in youth soccer to make connections with people that eventually became part of Northgate and eventually gave their lives to Christ. And God used faithfulness. And believe me, there were some Saturdays. I didn't want to spend my whole day Saturday coaching. (laughs) But God used those things. And, and, And that's where faithfulness comes from, is believing that God can work in every circumstance, in every situation, in every bit of my abilities and talents and resources, whatever they might be, and yours as well. Because that's how God works. Our faithfulness is tied to him. So that's why Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, always, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. God, who is faithful, will always use your steps of faith. That's where our faithfulness comes from. In in the book of Hebrews, towards the end of your Bible, end of the New Testament, Chapter 11 is a listing of all of these faithful people, people who took big steps of faith and did things that they couldn't have done and and went places they didn't think they could go, but they believed in a faithful God. And in Hebrews 10, before he starts that whole list of all of these people who were faithful, he says, so let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess because we know for he who promised is faithful. 
Faithfulness comes from a faithful God in whom we put our faith. And so we do give ourselves fully to his work. And making that clear commitment and getting fully engaged, of course, comes to the last one. And this isn't rocket science, folks. It's simply this. Remain steadfast until you're finished. Because that, that, that's, that's the faithfulness part, is you don't quit. You don't give up. Faithfulness is about consistency and constancy in the middle of all of it. We read this story that Jesus told, and it only takes us a few minutes to read the story, and, and I don't know about you, but I've always kind of had in the back of my mind you know, that this, this was a fast-moving deal. But reread the story. There's a part that we, you, you, I, you kind of just skip over, but it says in verse 19 that it was after a long time that the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. See, we read the story, and it just happens, boom, 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 and we kind of just think, oh, yeah, he took his five, five bags of gold, he invested them, boom, he re- five bags return. You know, just like that, boom, 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 nice and easy. I read this week, SurveyMonkey, um, uh, an online service provider, uh, a survey provider, and they had their IPO this last Wednesday, raised $180 million in one day. And we think, oh, yeah, I want to get in on that train. But he says, no, it's after a long time. See, in between the day that he entrusted this and the day that he returned from his journey was a long time. And this is the part that we don't think about, but you don't think that over that long, and it's not specific what time frame it was, it was just a long time. You don't think that there were times that they had doubts about the investments they were making? You don't think that there were sometimes stock market went up, oh, good for my master. Stock market goes down, oh no, now what am I gonna do when he comes back? You don't think that there were times that it was hard and difficult? that they wondered if they were doing the right thing? I believe so. A lot happens in the long time. A lot happens in my life and in your life in the long time. But faithfulness is sticking with it over the long haul. It's making a clear commitment, whatever it might be, and then giving yourself fully, not grudgingly, not dragging your feet, not, I gotta do this because I said I would, but fully engaged in it, and then until it's done. They had no idea when he was gonna return. There was no set return time on the calendar. It was just, you stay faithful until he shows back up. And for some of us right now, you're in the middle of something and it's hard and it's difficult and you can't take the pressure and you think this is, I just wanna quit. Stay faithful. Stay faithful in that marriage. Stay faithful to that friendship. Stay faithful to your family. Stay faithful to your commitment. Stay faithful in that ministry. Because God is at work, and he's using you in the middle of all of it. Faithfulness is seeing it through to the end. The recognition that these men got didn't happen until the master finally returned. After a long time, and they brought to him what they had been able to, re- able to produce over that time, and the response for the master was this, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come, share in your master's happiness. And that's God's goal for you. That's God's desire and intent for you that you would share in his happiness. When you become faithful to your word, when you become faithful in those relationships, when you become faithful to those commitments, and you see God begin to use those things to touch somebody else's life, to make a difference even in your own life, you're beginning to get a sense of sharing in his happiness. 
See, because here's what we truly believe around here. We believe that God is in the process of transforming lives. And he does it through us, in our homes, in our communities, in our world. And that's why we remain faithful. He will do it through the faithfulness of his people. So Paul wrote to the Galatian church, so let's not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we don't know what that proper time is, that's the long time part, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Would you bow your heads for a moment? I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what challenges you might be facing. I don't know what struggles or difficulties, but I will tell you this, you serve a faithful God that you can put your faith fully in him. And if you will remain faithful, he says we will reap that harvest. Lord, some of us here today are broken. We're hurting because of what life has brought us even this last week. But we believe that there's nothing so broken that you cannot mend it. There's some of us here today, Lord, that are feeling lost, just scattered and, 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 and just not knowing what the next step is or, or if there's even a possibility of a next step for us. But we believe that there is a faithful God and there is nothing that is, no one who's so lost that cannot be found by you. Some of us, Lord, are at the point of breaking or even have been broken and we just feel dead inside. But we also believe that we serve a faithful God and there is nothing so dead that it cannot be resurrected. So Lord, today, we bring you our struggles, our hurts, our brokenness, our tendency to avoid commitment, our, our desire to want to just give up and quit. And we just say, Lord, by your strength, and by our faith in you who is faithful, keep us faithful. And for those of us who need that first step of faith, today, God, we're just simply saying, I'm opening myself up to you. Take me in my lostness and my brokenness. Make me new. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.